Radio. Because I hold the pen. I hold the pen. (laughs) (laughs) I make final edit on this. I am Zack Snyder in this cut. (laughs) I drink your milkshake. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. You can't say it and then not expect me. My straw goes all the way down, and I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. (laughs) Welcome to Super Movie Brothers. Let's start the show. Welcome to Super Movie Brothers. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Dave. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Jay. And this episode is our way of watching episode for the week. So me and Jay are going to be getting into some of the shit that we got down to watching this week that we want to share with you. Either let you know whether you should be watching it right along with us or whether you can avoid it like the motherfucking plague that Jay had caught this week. Uh, So um, I think we're going to be talking about Winter Soldier, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, episodes one and two. And then we also got some other fun stuff to talk about. I have a documentary on Netflix that I want to go over called Seaspiracy. And then both me and Jay, I got him to do it, everybody. He watched an animated comic book television show. This is true. We are going to be... We are going to be talking about Robert Kirkman's Invincible, and then I uh, will have some brief thoughts on the Mighty Ducks Game Changers, and a brief review for a horror movie uh, that is a Shutter original called Slacks Possessed Jeans Coming to Life, Killing Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, and then, uh, Jay, what, what do you got for everyone to check out? What, what are you going to be talking about this week? Uh, Crack of Gold, two, two new releases, Crack of Gold and The Father. Uh, the Father. And the Father. Yes, they're both out uh, streaming along with in theaters, I believe. Certain theaters. Not All theater. right. Now, uh, let's, I mean, without any further delay, man. Because I get the feeling like we we, we got a lot. We to have get a lot to chew here. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a lot to chew on. Uh, but it also sounds like we might have a Jay's indie corner. Jake, so you mentioned the father. This is kind of like one of those like indie darlings that's now currently getting a lot of awards buzz right along it, with it. Kind of, sort of, maybe true. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's it's very much an indie corner type movie. I mean, you already got your hot toddy. It's it's not a bourbon neat this time, guys. He he's a little under the weather, so yes. he's got himself a hot toddy. I needed to spruce uh, it up a little bit. Yeah, but but he's still got the square frame glasses on. Of course. He still has the suspenders. Uh and 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 he's ready to sit down relaxing. In fact, this time I think he's got a smoking jacket on. <laughs> <laughs> As he sits in his study, and he's going to tell us all about the father. As one does. But before he gets into that, of course, I got to do a fake synopsis. RJ, so uh, for my fake synopsis, anytime I hear the father, I can only go to one place, Maury Povich. (laughs) So this will, I'm assuming just based on the name alone, that the father is about guys that have all been brought onto the Maury Povich show. And there's one girl there who uh, is having them all blood tested. And we are going to figure out which one of them is the father. Now, of course, we're going to be having it. It's Maury Povich. So, of course, we're going to be having backstage fights. We're going to be having tears. We're going to be having drama. We're going to be having flashbacks to when all of these different guys met, met this one girl and, of course, had consensual coitus with said woman. Uh, mm. And then, of course, it culminates in, in the end scene where we find out which one of them is the father. <laughs> Does that sound like I? Close? I mean, Am I it, close? It, it it sounds like something on li- a Lifetime movie. Sure, no sweeter words were ever heard by Jay than when he was on Maury Povich, and he heard Jay, 
you are are not the, the father. father. <laughs> <laughs> and Jay, Jay got up and did a jig. You know, yes, uh, oh, I was. So he's, good. I mean, he's he's not a great dancer, but he did take river dance for like two years when he was when he was a youth. So you could see his. You know, he does a little river dance. <laughs> As I would. As you would. As yeah. I would. Watch me do my little German jig. It is fun and gay for you to see. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so tell us what The Father's actually about, man. All right. This one follows the great Anthony Hopkins as he is a man refusing assistance from his daughter. As, you know, he's an older gentleman uh, who's previously living by himself in, in Britain. And uh, well, first what off, is- you didn't say you didn't say his name, right? It's Sir Anthony Hopkins. Number one. Yes. Thank he you. has been knighted. That is true. Uh, and yeah. And, and, and number two. Yeah. He, he's in his winter years, right? He's getting on he's in, in age, his winter but- years. But this is why I, I was trying to formulate a way to describe it with a little cliffhanger at the end. The point of this movie is you're watching this essentially in his point of view. And you okay. don't really, you're not told that. It just is. And he is a man suffering with dementia. And he is obviously getting a lot of things confused, and as are we. And it can get quite frustrating because you are seeing different people playing his daughter, you know, saying, you know, he thinks that this person is a complete stranger and it's actually. His daughter. So, so the unreliable narrator is actually part of the plot point. Correct. And All it's right. and it's it's a very, um, you know, they don't spoon feed us as the audience with this film, and this is based upon a play. So, this is a, a popular play, and it's based upon that. And I thought they translated it in a very powerful and effective way. And I and I do appreciate. Uh, the lack of hand-holding because it does leave more when the movie's over. A lot to chew on, a lot to digest, a lot to think about, a lot to have, you know, stirring up with emotions of, of, of uh, you know, that you're trying to grapple with, I guess you can say. Because, like I said, this is based upon his point of view. And you really build quite the picture of empathy for people who were suffering with this um you know with that certain kind of point of view and perspective of confusion and and how a lot of people treat them certain ways because they're acting certain ways and you shouldn't be treating them that way that kind of way and it makes him want to kind of think where if somebody actually really does have a legitimate diagnosis like this you're better off just playing along just going with it. Going with it. Yeah. Exactly. Because I mean we see we see Captain America do it when he's sitting with Peggy Carter, right? And she's and she you know, he just goes he just goes with it. That would be so hard to do for the quote unquote normal person, but like Yeah, I don't know if I could do it. Like honestly, if I was staring at someone who was just like, Who are you? I'd be like, Shut the fuck up. I'm your grandson, you dumb shit. Jesus Christ. <laughs> can we get a nurse in here? Can we can we right. trank this old fuck? Right. <laughs> I have no patience for the elderly at this point. No, I'm kidding. I would never be like that. But, um, but no. I mean, you could see how it's a you know it's it's a debilitating disease, and it's one of the hardest to watch a family member go through. Yeah, yeah, and you know, uh, my grandfather had Alzheimer's, and I saw that happen in real life. Um, living, you know, he didn't go to a home or anything. He stayed home with my grandmother, caring for him. But um, you know, I was on the scene quite often, and. Um, it, it's a little uh it might be a little different than dementia but um you know it's um it's kind of up there it's kind of up there as far as yeah a dif- and, the re- you know. and the family reaction to to what's going sure. on is very much similar sure so and, um, um, is this is this movie worth like some of the praise i've been hearing for it it's absolutely worth it um just just beware is you know especially if you know somebody who has suffered this and I, I think you know this could, could touch a nerve it could touch yeah. a nerve it could touch a nerve All but right. it is very well done very well done and you know again very well acted as well and i thought they did a really respectful and fantastic yet still artistically you know sound film and i was, I was really pleasantly surprised 
So um, for all those award season hoes out there that are yeah, you know, just this is uh, definitely worth the watch. Chomping at the bit to to get in bed with every single one of the awards movies. This is this is one that they should be excited to to check out. Indeed. All right, man. Well, uh, so I got down to watching a Netflix uh, documentary, and this Netflix documentary like frightened me more than any horror movie ever has it had images in it that will probably stick with me for weeks to come when i close my eyes i still see some of the horror show that was on display in this documentary so the documentary is called seaspiracy and it follows a if i was a young documentary filmmaker he is a young activist um and and he he got into environmentalism and like he his big thing is you know the trash island the the the, the mountain of the i'm sorry the floating island of plastic trash that is twice the size of Texas that's in the Pacific Ocean. Um, so he starts it off by by fighting plastic, which then leads him into you know looking into other things uh, and, and, and in the illegal fishing trade. In, and then he starts looking into whales and, and dolphins and, and captivity and stuff like that. And it all keeps leading him to this one place, to the fishing industry. Now, like the fishing industry, a lot of people say that it, that it's had a lot of changes over time and everything like that. That it's now we, we, we only practice sustainable fishing and we have all these protected areas um, in the ocean where people can't fish. Um, and that's on the surface, that's what we all think. But when you get down into it, even the activists that are the, the activist companies that are set out to quote unquote protect the seas are literally in league and making profits from commercial fishing. <laughs> <laughs> so when you see a label for dolphin safe tuna, what that means is you may you may not have dolphin safe tuna. You may actually have dolphin in said tuna. However, they paid for the seal to be put on there. And they are supposed to have spotters that are out in the ocean with those fishermen. But over the past like 10 years, six of those spotters have mysteriously gone missing at sea. So they don't actually send those spotters out with them anymore. Occasionally, they'll send one out but not as much as, as they used to. They just mysteriously go missing. Huh. And even one of them, they, they do have, a, have an account where fishermen actually attacked them while they were at home, followed them home and attacked them in their, in their home um, to, to kind of like dissuade them from, from ever revealing the secrets of the fishing industry. It's like this mm. weird like cloak and dagger industry. And then what you find out is like so many of the ocean's problems, and at least that's what the documentary is saying, so many of the ocean's problems, what, you know, whether it's the deforestation of the ocean floor, whether it's the bleaching of the coral, all this stuff that, that, that we talk about, rising sea temperatures, it can all be traced back to overfishing and that the commercial fishing industry is so large and it creates so many jobs, and it's so powerful um, that it is destroying the ocean's ecosystem. And it, uh, on top of that, you know, they talk about that seventy percent of the breathable air on this planet doesn't come from the rainforest. It comes from from kelp forests. It comes from plankton, and that plankton is disappearing. And if if we you know stopped basically the documentary is saying if we stopped fishing, we would actually start healing the globe in less than a decade if we just stopped eating commercial fish. Wow. But then on top of that, it gets into the whole whales in captivity thing, and they also talk about Japanese whalers and stuff like that. And mm. it, it, the documentary ends with the with the documentary filmmaker just kind of saying like, I took this journey because I wanted to save the whales. I wanted to clean the world up. I wanted to I wanted to fight against plastic and stuff like that. He's like, these were the things that I thought were problems. But as I started researching into these things, it, they all kept leading me to commercial fishing is the problem. And he he set up a a whale watching trip or actually a whale hunting trip in Norway where he would go up and he was actually going to be present for the Norwegians trapping a pod of porpoises in, in a fjord and then basically chasing them onto the beach. And they sawed the porpoises' heads off while the porpoises were still alive. And they showed this on camera. And all the screams that you hear these porpoises doing are live. And they're, Jesus and they're on there. Fucking Christ. And they're it's all, sawing it, them off? They sawed they their heads off. They don't even have they, like a chop machine or something? Nope. Nope. Just sawing their heads off with, with blades. 
right there on the beach. Jesus Christ. You can't unsee it once you've seen it, can you? No, you can't unsee it. It's nightmare fuel. That'll be with me forever. And uh, so, like, he, he then talks about, like, you know, every one of these fishermen up here who's catching these whales, you know, they're taking them, they are using them for meat and everything like that, and they will tell you this is a sustainable form of whaling. You know, just like you'll hear every major fishing company saying, we only fish in sustainable waters. Uh, you know, we, we, we only eat we only go after species that have sustainable populations, et cetera, et cetera. And what what he ultimately decides is what sustainable means is it's it's a word that's used that that to say that you can come on doing something forever, even if it's hurting the world. Now I'm not saying I buy this entire documentary hook, line, and sinker, but it does give you a lot to think about. And like if you think like I don't eat a whole lot of fish. So like I really don't I really don't I really don't contribute to this problem. Yeah. You, you probably I'm, do. I'm mainly just salmon. Um Okay, cool. But salmon, you know, I, I you can watch this documentary, you can see how most of the salmon you eat is coming from a salmon farm and how, how well, they I'm, are I'm just I'm highly as bad. aware of that. I know. Yeah. And I, it's not um, good either. But, but but not even that. The fish oil that you take to make one pill of fish oil, you're crushing up like six mackerel to make the amount of omega fatty acids, uh omega oil that is in that fish oil pill. And that just recently got popular over the last ten years. Yeah. It did. That it vitamin. Did. Where people are, um, a lot of people are, 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 well, people, medical people are saying it's almost like a mandated vitamin now. Okay. But did you know that you don't actually need to get that from fish? Fish don't naturally pr- produce omega fatty acids. They get it from the plankton that they eat, or they get it from the fish that they eat that get it from the plankton that they eat. So they can actually cultivate the plankton that produces those those omega-3 fatty acids, and they can create those pills without hunting a single fish. Huh. But it's not done because it's not... It's it's not the it's not the easiest way. It's not the easiest way to do it. It's not the most cost effective. Or cost way. effective, yeah, yeah. Right. But even if even if you have a, a dog, look at your dog's food. How much fish byproduct is put in there? All the leftover shit. Yep. It, yeah. Uh, the, the the fishing industry is so it's so deep and it's ingrained into not just our country, like every every country around the world. So it's 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 the type of documentary that you will walk away thinking about and stuff like that. And believe me, if you're like me, you're going to walk away haunted, like absolutely haunted. Just like when I watched the cove and I watched the pot of dolphins get slaughtered, um, they, they they go back to that same place here. It's it's an interesting watch and it, it gives you a lot of information to chew on. I will say that it, it is one sided information. Um, the the filmmaker really doesn't go out of his way to he does go out of his way to get interviews for the uh for the opposing side however they they decline all interviews with him and stuff like that but he really just seems like all the interviews that are provided in it are really all ones that go towards this message so sure um i i will say that you know it is a one-sided documentary it is not unbiased but do you think it is a one-sided issue though uh because that's 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 where it gets a little tricky because some some things are sort of like they are just one-sided like i am gonna think twice before i buy seafood again you know i'm probably not gonna be eating fish for a while i'm probably like i love fish seafood's my favorite type of food but now like after watching this i've always known that like overfishing is a problem i've always known that that you know the oceans are dying and stuff like that did i know that the two were correlated no so you know, I think that, and like they kind of say, like, how do we heal the, how do we heal the ocean? Like, how do we, how do we save our world before twenty forty eight? Like, how do we do that? And they're just, like, just stop why, eating fish. Why twenty forty eight? That is when they believe most fish populations will no longer be sustainable, and the phytoplankton that is needed to that that produces the oxygen for our atmosphere and the kelp beds uh, and the coral reefs that are needed to produce the, that oxygen all rely on one thing fish poo if there's no fish there's no poo if there's no plankton there's no oxygen there's no oxygen the temperature uh, begins to rise in the ocean causing a massive kill-off which will eventually lead to us having an even greater strained atmosphere and barren oceans and that's the year that they say that the oceans will no longer be sustainable which will be around when we retire oh yeah about that time well, optimally. Look at it this way. At least it'll be warm enough for us to go hang out at the beach in November. So there's upsides to everything. <laughs> there's an upside. Yeah. Let's uh, start planning no, our retirement doc- place now. Yeah. yeah this this documentary, uh, like it, it made me think a lot, uh, and that's that's what a good documentary does. You know, it, it sure. didn't. 
it didn't it doesn't make me like immediately stand up and go radicalize and stuff like that but it definitely made me think and i probably won't be eating fish anymore um i probably won't be eating commercially sourced fish uh i but i but i will say this like i'm still of the mind like if if i'm out in a boat i'm fishing and i catch a fish my fish i eat that fish sure my impact is not the same as the as the ship that is using a net trolling it on the ground uh, on the on the on the ocean floor catching 100,000 different type of creatures just to catch the one and then they're all called byproduct kill and then they're sawing the fins off of sharks stabbing dolphins in the head all manner of just awful fucking shit jesus that goes on so uh I, look I, I suggest everyone check it out uh if you like this type of documentary uh if you if you like to be outraged at the world if or if you just like to feel like we're we're all doomed as a as a society and we have no hope it's one of those mm. <laughs> i watch this and like man we're so close to mad max that that's our retirement jay <laughs> that's our retirement man it's gonna be blade yeah, runner 2049 brother that's right no i think it's gonna be mad max man barren wasteland me and you yeah, or that just, just riding in a dune buggy i i will definitely <laughs> do that and i will definitely be with you yeah. You with the assless chaps, me yeah. with a little person on my on my shoulders. Master, blaster! I'm pretty confident <laughs> to survive with you. Yeah, yeah, we can do this. We can. Just, yeah. All we need is water, bullets, gas. We got this. <laughs> all right, man. What else did you get down to watch? Because I feel like I just I just brought this whole show down. Um, I probably should have saved Seaspiracy well, for the end. This is a banger, but- man. This is a banger, and this is a great one. This is a documentary called Crock of Gold. A few right. rounds with Shane McGowan. So okay. if you don't know who this guy, this guy is like quietly one of the most popular slash successful and early Irish punk rock bands of the Pogues. This guy was the singer, songwriter, and big flamboyant party boy with crazy looking teeth. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, so like when you listen to these songs, like you're, I mean, you watch this documentary, you're gonna, you're gonna, they're gonna sound a lot familiar more than you think. That you know, a lot of people just kind of underwrite Irish music as some kind of hokey thing or St. Patty's Day thing, and this and that. Some, you know, to some degree, that it is true. Yeah, I listen to Irish music. I heard the uh, Dropkick Murphys with their shipping up to Boston. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it is. Uh, it's it's really beautiful, you know, and and, and you watch the documentary and, and really just kind of, you know, it's such an enjoyable watch. The way they crafted Julian Temple uh, wrote this and directed this and uh, a little little bits. Uh, I think Johnny Depp was a producer. He's a friend of this guy. But um, um, of course he is. Yeah. So he essentially follows his story of like, you know, how he became who he was. But it's also shown in, in an animated format of like his backstory you know as well so it's like tied in and so it's nice like playful kind of way and then it brings it up into uh you know the 60s 70s 80s to today of his you know his rise in that scene and and making it mainstream and the success and the torment and the drugging and the boozing and everything that really went along with it. That that everything that comes along with with fame as a musician ruined his life and and you know still yeah. to this day cuz he's like you know God, he's not even 60, and he looks like he's on death's door, 90 years old, in a wheelchair, just you know, barely hey man, able to we used, talk. We used to watch uh, the Osbournes on MTV. He's a, yeah, up. he's like Ozzy Osbourne, but and, like more and Ozzy Osbourne up. was in his fifties, early sixties yeah. when that show was on, and uh, he, he was barely uh, with it. <laughs> it's hard living takes a hard toll. It does. It does. So, so I thought it was highly enjoyable, and it was you know great music. It was interesting. It was fun, and uh, it, it was cool. it was a nice watch because I watched this. Uh, I think St. Patty's Day. I think it was part of the reason why I put it on, and uh, and you know it's 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 you know it's available now to Where'd rent. Where did you? Uh, where, where was it streaming at? I, I rented it. It's it's on iTunes or oh, wherever. Okay. So it's not on sh- free streaming apps yet. 
but um it just came out recently so i'm definitely interested in checking it out it's, I'm a, not, it's definitely I'm, worth the watch um you know i would I've say been known to pay for a documentary yeah from, i don't think it's worth paying for uh, i just you know i didn't have anything going on that week i just was like why not and then um you can't really celebrate st Patty's day like you used to anymore so i was like oh, i'll just settle in here and have a have a guinness and watch this documentary and I had a good in time in honor of him who yeah can't celebrate yeah. it. uh no i mean like like i i I rented that uh, You Cannot Kill David Arquette, where David Arquette's like getting back into wrestling and stuff like that. Awesome documentary. Awesome documentary. And I yep. told everyone that they should probably, if you have an interest and in I, wrestling. And I will you just like when David it becomes Arquette. on streaming. It is. It's free now. It's been on Hulu for about two oh, or three months. Got it. Yeah. Cool. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so I just wanted to follow back up and say it's free now. Uh, so check well, it out. Well, thank you for um, that. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, Seaspiracy, that's on Netflix, and... Uh, crock of Gold. And a Crock of Gold, uh, you'll have to rent, but probably coming to a streaming service soon. All right, Jay, that, that does it for the docs, these these dour docs that we're talking about that are getting us all down in the fucking dumps. Uh, and let's get into something that was fun, that I actually got you to watch, and I was ecstatic that you watched it, and that you had the reaction that you had with it, because... Uh, As was I. That, uh, the, it premiered on March 26th on Amazon Prime. It is Robert Kirkman's Invincible. I wasn't ready before. Now I am. You being a superhero is the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. Now take me flying or I'm going to tell everyone you're invincible. Sorry, not sorry. So Invincible follows a young high school student, Mark Grayson, who his father is the world's greatest superhero, Omni-Man, and he's been waiting his entire life for him to for himself to come into his own and get his powers. Uh, and when he finally does, he's given the opportunity to become a superhero. But being a superhero is not all it's cracked up to be. He quickly finds out. And what I, one of the things I've always loved about this series is like Omni-Man's very like very much the Superman. So obviously invincible his son is very much like growing up in that shadow but also like they get the so, so they get like the overpowered like superhero vibes that you get with like superman but you also get the teenage angst vibes that you get with like spider-man for it's sure like this blending of worlds um it's it's completely satire on comic books very much like uh the boys is but it is different from the boys uh because i think it has a little bit more lighthearted fun with with comic book satire than the boys does it does but it's also very fresh and and, and hip to the times and like you know the the dialogue i thought was very strong and pretty well written um not just for animated but also for you know the stay and age absolutely absolutely and you know um it you know, it, like again, written by Robert Kirkman, uh, who who is the writer of The Walking Dead, uh, Science Dog, um, Astounding Wolfman. I mean, he's he's written a ton of stuff. Uh, and one of the things that I really liked was that the art looked like Corey Walker's original art on the uh, on the comic books as well. So like, you can go look at a, at a page from the comic book and watch this show. Yeah, it's classic and looking. Yeah, and, and and it matches up, and and the storyline in these first three episodes that that we got to watch is very much the the original storylines that were that that was going on in the comic books, possibly a little bit more sped up, uh, and very much like the comic book, uh, it is it pulls the rug out from under you pretty quickly in its story you think it's the story of this coming of age hero and stuff like that, but there's I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't read the comic and hasn't watched the show yet. But the carpet's pulled out from you in the kind of like post-credits epilogue of episode one, where you uh, think you're understanding the status quo of this of this show, of this series, and then you are treated to one of the most horrific, bloody, gory fight scenes you'll ever see. And I don't just mean like, you know, it's got some blood. It's got buckets of blood it's not even rated r the episode starts every episode starts by saying that it is 18 plus viewing so it's it's not just bloody it is animated gore porn at the end of this first episode even though it's animated i think even it being animated adds to the gore level of it adds to the shocking nature of it because they can do yeah. so much more yeah and i agree i 
I saw some people like saying like, well, I mean, I wish they would have made a live action version of this. After watching the first the, these first three episodes, I think you'll understand why they couldn't do a live action version of it without spending literally hundreds of millions of dollars per season to do it. But it, the the tag that I gave Jay was pretty much just like watch the first episode. It feels pretty generic. Stick around till 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 the epilogue, and then tell me if you want to watch more or not. <laughs> And boy, is it a doozy of a cliffhanger. It's one of those, after the first episode, you can't not watch more episodes. I mean, you just have to keep watching. You have to find out. You have to know what's going to happen next and why these things are happening. But again, it's just such a great series so far. I mean, it really is strong. A lot of fun. Well-rounded strong and, and definitely a lot of fun. Um. And you know unpredictability, and 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 it's it's really refreshing. It's really nice, and I I was shocked uh, how easily I got into it. You know, I wasn't expecting that at all. And you know, at the same time, um, you know, Dave kind of sold me on it pretty quickly. And, and you know, I was sick at the time, so I, I it was definitely perfect viewing for for me. You know, to kind of pick me up a little bit and and you know a little lighthearted and fun to watch and engaging um yeah it's 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 i'm happy to watch this for the rest of april and hopefully they continue on i don't know if they've approved gave a green light to other seasons but i'm sure there will be with the word i'm not sure but this is a comic book that ran for 15 years and had over 144 issues so it's going to take time to get to the answers but it's all fun there's a lot of fun to be had. Um, I know a lot of people have have like issues with Robert Kirkman's writing. I like Robert Kirkman's writing. I think I I, I think it's that it's much like James Gunn. It's that right level of of gravity uh, of gravity uh, and weight to situations and real emotion mixed in with comedy. You know, it, I I think it does it does a nice balance like that. It works for me. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, me and Jay are telling you if you have Amazon Prime, check out the first three episodes of events of Invincible which are available right now did you have anything else that you watched so jay before we get into our breakdown of falcon winter soldier episodes one and two first up i watched the mighty ducks game changers me and you were very excited for this um because we're big mighty ducks and i haven't seen it though unfortunately so Uh, i'm not excited anymore i'm done I'm done. Yeah, I'm probably not going to go back to it. It's uh, it's just as cheesy as I as as I as I wished it wouldn't as be. Feared. but not in the right way of right, not in the right way of cheesy that I needed it to be, like the Mighty Ducks movies were. Now, like I was telling Lauren, maybe it is in that same vein, but I'm too far removed from it to really recognize it. Right? Like I'm not I'm not nostalgic for it like I was with the with the with the Mighty Ducks because none of the characters that I love are really there. So. We're kind of setting it up with like all new kids. And I just find kids in most media annoying, but these kids were especially annoying. Yeah, I don't I don't remember. Do you remember what our reaction was when we read this news? Because I remember oh, when we, we read were, it. We were both pretty stoked. We were? Yeah, we were both uh, pretty stoked. Yeah, we just we just loved seeing Gordon Bomb. Yeah, exactly. It's just us being nostalgic it, and like just it was. excited. It's all nostalgic. But when it, you really think about washes, the reality of it all, it's like, uh, is that really something we want to watch? Yeah. It washes away from you pretty quickly while watching this this first episode that they have on Disney Plus right now. Uh like I might I might finish this first season and see how it goes, but to be because it's only half hour episodes. But really, like I'm I'm not gonna tell anybody to watch this like you know it's it, I, I, that's the thing like i'm not sure who this is for are we trying to capture like a new audience for for the mighty ducks because like my daughter's not gonna be interested in this like she's not gonna sit down and i'm gonna be like you know these are the mighty ducks remember the mighty ducks from the 1990s before you were born when daddy was your age do you remember that like no so like the barrier for entry is gonna be you have to have parents that were into it to get their kids into it but if the parents aren't gonna like this show then they're not really gonna like push their kids to watch it either which means it's really like its fan base is going to literally be based on nostalgia but there just wasn't enough there for me to get nostalgic for it everything felt felt new and it, it felt slightly different but still the same and i was pretty bored with the first episode and by the time it by the time it ended i was like i already know where this first season's going i know where it's going because i saw the mighty ducks and we're just doing it again in a longer format right. for a television series so not gonna watch it uh all right jay and real quick horror movie review man for a movie that's called slacks 
Ready. Hi there. And you are? Libby. You are here for the new collection turnaround. This is such an important night for us. A lot of people have been very keen to get their eyes on it. Jeans that automatically adapt to your body size. The Super Shapers! Oh my god. I'm so, like, totally excited. I could just die. Well, should, should we call the police? We can't. We're in lockdown. What if there's a killer out there? Are you afraid there's a killer out there? Yeah. Get ready. For slacks. Okay, so we know two things. It loves Bollywood music, and it has a bindi on its forehead. Slacks. Small price to pay for an awesome ass. So I originally like I, I I have Shutter, and this is a Shutter original movie, and I was I was going to pass on this movie hard because like I literally read the description, I saw it, and I was like, huh, possessed pair of pants comes to life, kills people, uh, and it is seventy seven minutes, and that's what got me interested, right? Seventy seven minutes. I was like, even if I hate it, it's over quicker than I could pull off a band aid. So the barrier for entry is extremely low. But I was actually extremely surprised with what I got. So the story follows a, a, a company called the Canadian Cotton Company, which is very much like a Gap or 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 like a Hollister or an Abercrombie and Fitch, one of these one of these upscale uh, designer clothing companies that everyone kind of goes nuts for. But it's you know because this is this is a world where everything is kind of amped up a little bit. People are, are feverish for these clothes, like these the like anyone not wearing a Canadian cotton company clothes are just fucking peasants to everybody else. Uh, and that's the type of thing it is. And we're following a new employee who's going in and she is part of their Monday madness launch for their new, their, their new clothing line uh, for, for the new season. That's going to be coming out. And they have these brand new jeans, Jay, they're called super shapers. Whether you're five pounds overweight or you're five pounds underweight, these jeans will fit to your body and they will make you look Look fucking good. Sounds too good to be true, mm-hmm. right? That's because it is. That's what I need. I need pants that are going to like breathe and shrink with me because my weight fluctuates so much. Um, but uh, <laughs> what they wind up finding out is these new super shakes, these new super, uh, super shapers have a dark secret and a dark past with a dark purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and you may laugh the first time you see someone get bitten in half by a pair of jeans, but by the third or fourth time, you're fucking uproariously laughing with it. You're going with it. Like, cause at first I was like, seriously, jeans are eating people. Like, seriously, I don't understand what I'm watching, but you stick with it long enough and you're just like, I get it. This movie is just absolutely unapologetic for itself. It is just like, yeah, this is a story about jeans that are eating people, but you know what? By that second and third kill. You're with it, aren't you? And I was like, you're right. I'm in hook, line, and sinker. I fucking love it. It also has a lot to say uh, about, like, you know, vapid consumerism. Like, that's exactly mm. what this movie is about. Just the, just the vapid consumerism going in to tie into, like, Seaspiracy. Like, all their cotton is sustainably... <laughs> farmed right no no one was hurt in the making of of your genes right everyone that that picks the cotton in india is a happily paid gainful employee interesting we may come to find out that that is not quite the case so you know it it, it has a lot to say about this vapid consumerism and about us as a culture where as long as we put these labels on things and we say that something is dolphin safe or we say that it's it's cruelty free or we say that you know no child labor or or no slavery uh labor no slave labor was used to create this product we feel good about ourselves and we continue buying it and shoveling the money into these giant faceless corporations however if we scratch just below that poorly finished surface we'll see that there are 
lots of skeletons in their closet. Uh, and in this case, the skeletons in the uh, Canadian cotton company's uh, closet have come to roost and they go on a bloody affair of revenge. Uh, and I... Dude, I was fucking maniacally laughing at it at some points where I was just like, this is so ridiculous. I fucking love it. This might be my favorite horror movie of 2021 so far. (laughs) Is it like, you know, but are you actually seeing jeans eat them? Fucking A, you are. Don't you hate pants? Huh. For the sheer curiosity alone, it's almost like you have to to go see it. For the sheer curiosity of watching a pair of jeans uh, do an entire Bollywood dance number without anybody in them should be worth it alone <laughs> <laughs> so uh this is streaming on shutter uh which is a channel you can purchase through uh, amazon prime and some other streaming services or you can rent this movie right now on you know whatever you use for your video on demand it is available there as well i happen to have shutter so i got to watch it quote unquote for free um but i i i enjoyed i enjoyed the hell out of it i watched it one night and i kind of like fell asleep at some points because it was i was watching it very late at night but i was with it i i loved it so when i got home from work the next day i was like you know what let's spin it again let's watch it again so i can i, I can see it and get all those points that like i missed i could watch it all linearly and fucking loved it dude i absolutely loved it mm. that's good good to know yeah, yeah i can't I'll, i cannot I, I will oh, check it out a grade, i'm sorry one day if i'm giving it a grade uh it's it's a it's an a right <laughs> it's gotta be Jesus, an a people are gonna really? disagree with me on this people are gonna disagree with me on this but it's an a buddy it's an a like wow. first off okay you, you, my complaint can't be that it that, that the premise outstays it's welcome it's 77 minutes it's less than an hour and a half yeah that's a good point it's an hour and change essentially and if you're enjoying so your outsta- time and, and they're making yeah. the film that they're trying to make which you can probably easily tell right away believe it or not before we started recording I was like, oh, let me check the Rotten Tomatoes score because like, I'm just like, just out of curiosity because I had already seen it and I'm giving it an A. 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so don't, don't just take my word for it. Everybody has good things. Who watches this movie has good things to say about it. Highly so, curious. Yeah. Yeah. It's not It's not just Dave, the fucking wacky horror guy, uh, you know, who loves killer condoms from outer That's space. That's essentially what uh, I thought this was. <laughs> exactly. No, no. It's, it's good. People like it, man. Uh, I mean, I could say, I, I could say, you know, watching it, Jay will get something out of it and he'll enjoy it. It won't be an A movie for you, but I, I think you'll still enjoy it. Uh, I, I, I will definitely check it out at some point. Um, so what, you, you had to uh, rent this one or what, what is this? No, I have Shudder. It's a Shudder oh, original I'm sorry. Movie, I'm sorry. So okay. It's streaming on Shudder, but you can rent it on video on demand as well if Got you want like to. So. Man, uh, so I mean, we've we've been going for a little bit longer than we do for normal episodes, but me and you had a lot to watch this time around, and uh, we said last time that we were going to talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier, just give first impressions of episode one, but we decided not to last time because we had Snyder's Justice League to go over, which was a daunting task in and of itself. A lot to watch there. We did watch Falcon and Winter Soldier episode one, but me and Jay both were kind of like, let's wait until episode two because episode one is clearly all set up but now that episode two is here i think there's a lot of meat on this bone for me and you to chew on so let's get into our discussion and our breakdown for falcon and winter soldier episodes one and two so who would like to start mr barnes why does sam aggravate you 15 seconds to drop. So what's our plan? Great. I have no intention to leave my work unfinished. Here we go again, huh? Symbols are nothing without the women and men that give them meaning. We need someone to inspire us again. We're never going to stop. This world is ours. There's no going back. It doesn't have to be a war. It already is. 
can't lose this fight. If we do this, we're gonna do it our own way. So we're partners, co-workers. Not necessarily a team. No. We look damn good, though. RJ, episode one of Falcon and Winter Soldier gobsmacked me just right off the bat. I, I heard a lot of negative reviews for this for this first episode because people were like, it's so slow. Why is it taking its time? And in my head, I was just like, these are my favorite characters in the MCU, Captain America and, and, and his squad, right? Winter Soldier, Sam, like you know, the sure. Winter Soldier movie is still my favorite MCU movie. So I want it to take its time. I want to get into the headspace of these characters. Where are they six to seven months after their their battle with Thanos and restoring the world to quote unquote normalcy? So I, I liked I liked getting to know who Sam was, other than the guy who's on Cap's left. And we 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 Bucky even says it at one point. I've been going from fight to fight the fight and except for a little bit of time of rest in wakanda I, I i have fought my entire life so we've never had time to stop and sit down with bucky and get into his headspace either so i like the first episode for taking the time to do that yeah and i think that's one of the things that i really appreciated was you know i didn't like the i don't want to say i didn't like the trailer but the trailer didn't do anything for me i knew i was gonna i knew i was going to watch the series but i think the story for this yeah. is going to kind of have such big implications and such big big things going forward that they, they they almost can't risk spoiling anything in those trailers right 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 and, and that does make sense i guess um and but you are correct this was one of the more more surprising things was how uh respectful they were to these characters in a realistic kind of way where what are the realistic effects of these kind of guys and characters post blip post end game, you know, moving forward, not having to really be a superhero or having to continue to be a superhero in a different kind of way, right. you know, yeah. and, 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 you know, and, and everything that goes along with that, you know, and, and your past and your demons and, you know, winter soldiers got a lot of things going on and baggage and Falcon has his own, you know, fi- family dynamics as well and, and, and pressures with the government and, um, and then you got this new Captain America um, on the on the which, scene, yeah, which we get into in in episode two. But you know, I want to focus on episode one. You know, oh, I'm first sorry, off. yeah, I'm jumping the gun yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I yeah. want to say, but so so first things first. When the series starts, the first the first sequence we get is an action sequence, which is the same way that every Captain America movie has started with with kind of like a, a great action sequence. Um, and I got to give it up to to Kari. To Kari Skogland, who is the director of all six of these episodes. Uh, so she she's previously been a director on like Handmaiden's Tale um, and several other TV shows, including the Punisher, the, the 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 Netflix Punisher. So so she she knows her way around an action scene a bit. But l- watching this. It, this action scene to start off with Falcon flying around in the in the um like in that valley and stuff like that. A it gave me echoes of uh, Independence Day, but but B it, it it felt like I was watching the Russo brothers in my mind, right? Like it's like it was good action. It was really good action. It was well done, and we get kind of like our first little Easter egg with George Saint Pierre returning as Bartrock the Leaper. And Sam huh. having to go toe to toe with him. Yeah, we haven't seen him yeah. since the Winter Soldier. Yeah, it, it was, and and again, like the action is 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 really well done. It is. Um, you know, it's not short. It's not buried or dark. Right. You know, it's it's well choreographed. And the drama's and it good takes too, its though. Time and the drama with it, it all. Yeah. The drama's good too because like we're getting into the headspace of Bucky now. Now that he's had time to relax, like we're we're catching up. We're finding out that Sam has chosen to continue acting at, in a superhero capacity, and he's essentially he's essentially a a, a free contractor, uh, a contractor for the for the United States Air Force. Um, he does he does do some wet work for them, I guess you would say. Meanwhile, Bucky has been pardoned for his crimes as the winter soldier we find out 
but he's no longer allowed to act in that superhero capacity. He has these rules. He has to go see a shrink on a on, on a weekly basis and stuff like that. And and he's trying to make amends for his for the wrongs of his past. And you know, I I really I really like seeing that stuff because it 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 kind of lets me know who they are. And then we also find out that Sam gave up the shield. Like they, you know, halfway through this first episode, Sam is donating the Cap's shield, which is not Cap's original shield. I have to remind everybody of that. I feel like it's Thanos destroyed the original shield. This is some shield from some alternate timeline that Steve brought back and gave to him, which is why it looks a little bit different. And we still don't know what secrets it holds because it has like these little panels on a star that previously Cap's (laughs) shield didn't have. So, all right, then keep your secrets. <laughs> but Sam gives it up for it to be displayed in the Smithsonian. And, you know, I, I love catching up with Sam and finding out he has a sister. He has nephews. Um, and, and, and his family's had this failing business. It was failing before the blip. It's still failing even more now after the blip. And to see, like, you know, superheroes have real world, earth, human problems. Like, I, I absolutely loved it. He, like, <laughs> Falcon was denied a bank loan. The human torch was denied a bank loan. <laughs> yeah. And th- nothing's yeah. more human than going to a bank hat in hand and just being like, money, please, for dreams? And the bank going, <laughs> no. Can I have a selfie? You're a famous person. And it's like, dude, you going to ask that? I love Damn. Anthony Mackie. I love Anthony Mackie's reaction to a lot of shit. He's had a lot of good reactions so good. in this fucking dude, series. You going to ask that? Yeah, I, I'm a, I, I've, I've been a fan. You know, Anthony. Like, I, I think he's from Philly, or he, um, he has some type of Philly tie. I can't remember what it well, is. Well, I mean, I, I do, but, I do know he went to Juilliard, but he was actually born in in New Orleans. You know, so he is a Louisiana boy. So they they actually maybe took, it's New Orleans. I yeah, could be getting confused. They, they with actually New Orleans. took that I'm straight not sure. from his actual from his actual life. But like to jump right. ahead to like episode two a little bit, like when that when that little kid in Baltimore sees him, he goes, "Yo, it's Black Falcon." He goes, "Nah, man, it's just Falcon," and he's just like. And he's just like, my dad says it's Black Falcon. He's just like, why? Because the color of my skin? And he's the kid's just like, yeah. And he goes, do I call you Black Kid? <laughs> I was like, it's a great reaction to it. Because he's, yeah. he's not Black Falcon. <laughs> but it also, but, you know, again, but I, you know, you know, you, you don't. You don't have to put the black in the name, you know. Well, that's just his like, point. He's the Falcon. That's his you know, point. That's the I point. Just exactly, and I and I and that's just, right. That's, but we uh, and, and that's why I like. We about can it. jump like into about. episode two now because we're we're getting into the idea that he gave up the shield because he was worried about being the black Captain America and and the implications of that. It was a big weight on his shoulder. It was more of a weight on his shoulder than it is on Steve's because he has two populations to uphold: the population of America. And those of of black people in America as well, so he so he, he essentially is 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 holding up this mantle for two separate parties, um, even though even though one party is a part of the other party, it, you know what I mean? He he feels like he has a different responsibility to it, and he's not sure if it's needed. Captain America doesn't need to exist. He can be who he is without being Captain America. It's only after he sees somebody else as Captain America that he's just kind of like, dude, it's always that last thing you say. <laughs> Which is a line I love that he has to Wyatt Russell. Um, but now, like, like getting into this, getting into this second episode. First off, uh, again, starting off with with uh, with some with some good action uh, there in the in the second in the second half of this episode with the truck chase and stuff like that, where they're taking down the flag smashers uh, who are being re- who are being led by Carly Morgenthau. Uh, which, if you read Captain America comics in the eighties and early nineties, you would know that she's she is the flag smasher or at least she's she's the leader of the flag smashers and uh, in the flag in in that storyline flag smasher loses to captain america but he had the same idea no nations no walls no borders uh a unified world uh so he needs to smash all the countries to do it captain america beats him pretty easily now her being named carly obviously they've now just gender swapped this character and instead of being a a singular human being um who could stand up to captain america it's this entire group um this uh, quote-unquote terrorist organization or, or freedom fighters that that they're going up against um but we're not getting all the pieces to the story you know we we know that they are enhanced with 
super soldier serum or some form of it. We don't know how. We don't know who gave them those powers. We do see some some glimpses of of, of words in the credits that say the power broker is watching. Who's the power broker? Who's out there creating these super soldier serums and distributing them? Wyatt Russell, who is playing John Walker, the new Captain America, he doesn't have any super soldier serum. And I didn't need molded plastic to improve my physique. Pure West. He's just average Joe guy who's really good at throwing a Frisbee. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he, he is like the uh, human pinnacle right. of of everything. So you can see the seeds now where you're just like, John Walker's going to get his hands on that serum, right? Like he wants it. Because we see him lose in this. We see him lose a fight in, in episode two. And you know that that's going to stick with a guy like that. And he's going, like John Walker is going to, to, to equate Steve Rogers, super soldier, Captain America, to John Walker, great soldier, Captain America, but not super. Therefore, I must be super to be as good as Steve Rogers. But as we learned in Captain America, the first Avenger, it, it, the, the way the serum works is if you're a good guy, you stay a good guy. If you're a bad guy, yeah. you become a super bad guy. <laughs> so we're seeing cracks in the persona of John Walker. Cracks that were there in the comic books as well. In the comic books, he's an alt-right-wing person. He has a lot to prove to himself and to others. Um, and he, and, and he, at times, he will take it too far. Uh, and it's when his family gets murdered in the comic books that he loses it and starts killing civilians. Yeah, I think that's going to be more towards exactly, but it'll ha- it'll later. happen once that super soldier serum gets in them. That's which that's makes my sense. Theory. It that's makes my theory. It, it makes sense, and that's a good transition or setup for you know exactly. all these characters going down the line. Exactly. Um, um, now, uh, you know, as as far as like the second episode goes, it is far more what you would expect from 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 an MCU type show. You know what I mean? Far more than like WandaVision was, which I think was pretty out there, but still enjoyable and fun, a series as a whole, but different than most other things. This felt right at home as like an MCU thing. It did. Yeah. It's more straightforward. It it's it's more conventional in a lot of ways. However, it's still a breath of fresh air of, of originality within... Uh, you know this new phase and all these uh, new characters. I find and, myself like and and to really flesh them out more. I was cracking up when when they were talking about the flag smashers and stuff like that. Him and Bucky, and he's just like so one of the big three: androids, aliens, or wizards. And it's like, dude, what? <laughs> no, it's fucking, really funny. And then, and really then you funny. find out that that is a thing within the military. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that they say that big it three: is. androids, aliens, or wizards. <laughs> Because John Walker, uh, Captain America, says it to to Bucky later on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And of yeah. course, we get the. And I also do love, you know, how how close they get in therapy sessions. Oh my god, <laughs> the therapy session had me cracking up. Even though we that saw a good portion so good. of it in the trailer, you know that that's setting up seeds for for things later on. But I think, yeah. you know, without spoiling like the whole episode and stuff like that, I think where this where this where, where we really get to like the heart of this series is when Bucky takes Sam to Baltimore um, and and he introduces him to Isaiah Bradley who was an individual who also was given a super soldier serum you may remember that they they mentioned that the super soldier serum was lost with Steve it died with the scientist who died with him uh, and there was no more super soldier serum so they essentially had to start project rebirth or the weapons plus project over again in the 1950s to recreate what it was that made Steve Rogers well back then who did you test things on your black soldiers the black population that's who you tested it on. Uh, and that has real-world uh, implications or, or real world has, has its basis in real world because the, the, the Tuskegee experiments where uh, they actually infected uh, black men with syphilis and left it go untreated just to watch the uh, – essentially watch the progression of, of syphilis on their population, which is something our government did. And that's something our govern- government admits to doing. So imagine what horrors were done right. that they don't admit to. Uh, and then, you know, we also had the fact that gas masks were tested on black soldiers, too. Let's find out if this gas mask, uh, this new seal that we made makes a good seal. Nah, he died. So it's not a good seal. Let's put another seal on and bring in another black soldier. You know, there's uh, it, it, historically 
it was a population that was not treated fairly. And we get that represented here in Isaiah Bradley, who was they tested a super soldier serum on him. And if you go by the comic book that, that he was in called Truth, he was the only survivor of this new batch of super soldier serum. But we're seeing that it, it that it has it has uh degradative properties to it where um, he will begin to kind of like lose his mind over time based on this super soldier serum. But we do find out that he was tough as nails at one point and fought Bucky to a standstill and presumably ripped off his metal arm and beat him with it a little bit. So, <laughs> so but, but Sam finds out that there was a black captain America, even before he could have been captain America and it kind of changes his entire perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, you know, you gotta remember he was, you know, a cookie cutter military, you know, yes sir boy. Like, you know, he I guess he was a little blinded by the realities and the, the harsh right realities of of what they were doing, the military and the government um with this experiments and then you're seeing these real life effects exactly of what that but we, but we also get the real-world implication on why we need a black Captain America when Sam is stopped in the Baltimore streets. And that, too. Sure. And that, that almost reaffirms, like, why we needed a black Captain America. And then, of course, we get... But the- also the realities of, of today in this yeah. day and age with, with you know, with everything, all the political environment and stuff that's going on. It's... it's, it's For sure. It's, it's a, it was a good... Uh, it was int- it was really it's just jarring to see yeah. you know played out in real life like that you know in real time tons of easter eggs um, throughout all these episodes and i don't have time to run through them all uh, if you're an mcu fan you probably picked up on a bunch of them uh but one that i that i think can't be ignored is at at isaiah bradley's house where they, where they go to in baltimore uh they knock on the door and a young man answers and his name uh is elijah bradley or eli and at some point in the future Eli Bradley becomes the hero Patriot and is one of the core members of the Young Avengers. So if you're if you got your uh, Young Avengers bingo card out, uh, we, we're not quite there. We don't have bingo yet, but we do have Kate Bishop coming in the Hawkeye series, uh, who is being played by Haley Steinfeld. And just recently in WandaVision, we got both Speed and Wiccan, Tommy and Billy, who are the children of Wanda Maximoff. And we did hear their voices at the end of that series, so we know that they are indeed coming back. So now we just got Elijah Bradley. And, of course, we already had Cassie Lang, Stature, um, who they just recast with Catherine Newton playing. So we're missing two members of of that Young Avengers core team. And... Those two members are Hulkling, which is a crossbreed of the Kree and the Skrull. He actually has nothing to do with the Hulk at all. Um, and he's he's kind of like a shape changer. But he chooses this this hulking size, uh, and he does have super strength, much like the Hulk. And then we are also missing Iron Lad, who is actually Kang the Conqueror from <laughs> the future. Um, but he's a kid version of him, and he's a hero from an alternate dimension who travels back in time to start the Young Avengers. Look, it's super confusing and i highly doubt they're going to do the iron lad portion of this because we know we're getting kang the conqueror in ant-man and the wasp quantum mania and that's not exactly like the tentpole movie that you would have a villain show up in and then have such a convoluted backstory about to be in the young avengers it's more than likely that either morgan stark will show up in some form of iron man suit and be part of the Young Avengers, or that Ironheart, who uh, is the young is the young girl who built her own Iron Man suit, essentially, uh, and in the comic books, kind of replaces Iron Man for a time. Um, and she's she's a young black teen, so she would fit right in with this team. Or possibly the fact that we don't have a Vision right now. That in in the Young Avengers, there is a version of the Vision, just a younger version of him, who is in it as well. So there's options to fill those holes, but so. Those those are the only two members that we're missing, man. We're missing a, we're missing an Iron Lad and we're missing a Hulkling. But 
you know, mm. we have the seeds for each of them already planted within the MCU. And it's only a matter of time before we get there. So what what is Young Avengers going to be? Is it a movie? I don't know. But if I'm but if I'm playing my my bingo card here, I'm noticing that the majority of these characters are showing up in Disney Plus shows. Right. So it makes me feel like Young Avengers is going to be like the Disney Plus Avengers. Right. All these shows are building up to us getting a Young Avengers either series or movie direct to Disney plus eventually. Right. Yeah, Cause I, th- th- that's the way I see it anyway, because how are you going to put a movie in the theaters and you're just be like, remember all these characters when they premiered in these shows that maybe not all nope. of you saw exactly. So it makes me think that that young Avengers is going to be, especially if they're like complete nobodies, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly. And most of them are except for Catherine Newton um, and, and Haley Steinfeld. But you know, I, I, I look at that and I, and that's what makes me think like young Avengers will be, on Disney Plus. So this is all theory and conjecture, but bringing it back around to the show. I dug it, man. I'm digging it. I uh, this is I am. This is my MCU. This is this To be honest, I I yeah, you're right cuz I I was, you know, a little uncertain to be honest going into it. And I'm I'm really happy to say that I think they really nailed again once again. Kudos to them, but uh to Mr. Feige, uh they really just nailed the tone respectfully within sure. what we want but also with the characters buddy i watched this and i immediately after episode two i went right in and i watched captain america the winter soldier because i couldn't <laughs> i could not i could not not to mention uh because of falcon and winter soldier having these two awesome action sequences and set pieces that we got in the first yes. two episodes that sparks yes. our top five for for this week which will be our next episode it is the top five action sequences in movies so this is another combined top five where me and jay kind of put our heads together and we and we came up with a top five so that's going to be the next episode but if you are not enjoying falcon winter soldier or there's anything that we just kind of ran out of time to talk about with falcon winter soldier if we said anything during this episode that you would like to comment on reach out to us on the social medias you can reach me on twitter at SuperMoviePod. i am on twitter j underscore smb Instagram, Super Movie Bros, and on Facebook, Super Movie Bros Podcast. And then, of course, I am also on Instagram. You can check me out at SMB Dave on there. We are part of a network. We are part of the Age of Radio Podcasting Network. So if you want to listen to all the other shows that are part of the Age of Radio Podcasting Network or check out the Super Movie Brothers page over there where you can listen to every episode of Super Movie Bros that's available, head over to ageofradio.org. And, of course, we do have a Patreon, all of our pre-roll content. Content, some exclusive top fives and other uh, material that me and Jay record winds up going to our patrons on a monthly basis. You can head over to patreon.com slash podcast there for just $1 a month. You can get all the additional content. I want to thank all of you for listening. Have a great one. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, I said science dog. In Invincible, it's seance dog, but in real life, it was science dog. Yeah. My wife's trying to correct me, and I had to correct her, because that's how we do in this house. (laughs) I mansplain everything to her. (laughs) 